Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, we are going to jump into a new series. It's going to be a four-week series, and we're going to be looking at emotions. Now, before everybody checks out, before all the men nudge their wives or whatever, um, I want you to realize that all of us deal with emotions to one degree or another. It's something, the way that God wired us, the way that God built us. We could say, well, I'm not going to deal with my emotions. Well, you're messing with emotions right then. Uh, You're choosing to put a wall in those emotions and feel nothing and completely block off a part of your life which God wants you to be connected to. If our emotions are not dealt with, we will not have a balanced life. We will have an unbalanced life. We can't live a spiritual life absent from our emotions. And we can't just have our emotions without the spiritual. That's not how God built us. That's not how he wired us. That's not how he intended us to be. So we have to focus on our emotional state alongside our spiritual state to really be all that God has called us to be. Um, Now, uh, uh, some of us, we don't want to admit it. We don't want to talk about it. um, But we are emotional beings because that's the way that God made us and that's the way that God wanted. He created us with a spirit, with a mind, with a will, and emotions. Now, we do usually put that one last on the list because we don't like to deal with it or we don't talk about it. But emotions come with being human. um, And we're going to look at really four different areas. We're going to look at anxiety this morning. We're going to look at dealing with fear. We're going to look at battling with your mind. And then we're going to talk about carrying burdens because I believe a lot of us carry burdens that God never intended us to carry. You don't realize it because you're burdened. But I believe that as we talk through some of these concepts, as we look at some of these, I believe that you are going to be in a better emotional state at the end of this series than you are right now. How many of you need that in your life? You'll be emotionally vulnerable, right? And say, that's something I need in my life, okay? So all of us have been guilty of dealing with one or another, some more severe, some less severe in our lives, um, but sometimes multiple ones. So when we look at anxiety, um, There are anxiety-prone situations that cause anxiety in our life to escalate or to kind of equalize or to be non-existent. So we have to realize that um, some people are never anxious. They're just not. They don't deal with it. Some live in a high anxious condition most of the time. And then you have some that are kind of, there's that balance. You're not overly anxious. You're not underly anxious, but you're kind of just at that equal ground and but it can be tipped one way or the other very very easily um think back to a moment of where you dealt with anxiety or you were anxious about something something like i don't want to go there (laughs) you're going to cause me to be anxious this morning just thinking about it right so we have to go to that place of realizing that we could be prone to being anxious in a way that is not healthy that is not of god and it's not what he wants it's not what's best but It could be real, right? We have to look at that. That's something we could be dealing with, something we could be struggling with. Maybe it was an interview. I don't know how you do with interviews. Some people have really good composure. Some people freak out and are like on the end of their nerves with an interview. Maybe your first day of school trying something new, trying something that has a high failure rate. You ever done that? 
Some of you say, no, <laughs> I stay away from that because it pushes me over the edge of being excessively anxious. I don't want to try anything because what if I fail? And then if I fail, then that reflects me. And then, what, and then you just downward spiral. The, the anxiety in your mind just causes this huge um, snowball in your life. And it affects you in a way that is unhealthy and unspiritual and ineffective to be all that God has called you to be. This is a real thing. This is, now, some of you are like, man, I don't deal with this. You still need to be aware of it because one day you may. I've talked to individuals. They never had any issues with anxiety, and then all of a sudden it just hits. You know, it comes like a left hook, and they're dealing with it. They're caught in it, and they don't know what to do with it. So if you think of a time where you were anxious or you dealt with anxiety or you were close to that edge of really losing it, I want you to think about that. Now, we need to look at contributors for anxiety so from a psychological standpoint, these are things that we are either learn, that we learn or we're taught, the psychological side. And that can be, you know, that can be taught from a parent. Like if I'm super anxious and I'm always dealing with anxiety, my kids are watching that and how I respond. If I'm panicked and I'm freaking out and like, oh no, everybody's coming over and I got to get everything and I'm just losing it. That's you. I'm sorry. Maybe you got your composure together when I showed up because I didn't see it that bad. But, you know, they, your kids can see that and they can model that. And they, it, it's, it's, it's psychological in a way, psychology, it is teaching them how to behave. So we got to realize that's not okay. We need to be aware of what we're teaching and what we've learned about um, anxiety. Um, also, personality has a lot to do with how you're anxious. You know, either you're anxious prone or you're not. I feel like I am not very anxious, that I'm not, I don't deal with anxiety. And Becky was like, how in the world are you going to preach on anxiety if you don't deal with it? I'm going to use scripture. I'm going to use a little bit of framework, steal some resources from professionals, but I'm going to teach it on a biblical basis, not a medical professional basis, okay? So we have to realize how you're wired affects that. Sociology, that's what's going on around the world. How many of you know right now the stuff going around in the world can cause you to be anxious? I'm glad gas prices are going down a little bit, settled my nerves a little bit. I don't get anxious before I go fill my car up because I know how much it's going to cost me, right? You know, it can be everywhere, but socio, you know, uh, in, in uh, sociology, what's going on in the world around us, there are plenty of things there that can cause anxiety and anxiousness. Um, now, physiology, that could be where you actually have a disorder, mental wiring, something that is um, a, a dietary imbalance, neurology. Uh, neurological malfunction or a chemical factor. Now, if that's the case, I'm not talking about that. If that's the case, you should see a medical professional to get some help in that because there is some medical science that can possibly help you if you have a complete disorder. Now, I would say most of us don't have a disorder, but we could be prone to being anxious or not being anxious or being somewhere right in the middle, okay? Um, also, another factor that could be contributors to anxiety. What about theology? So theology is what you believe is absolute truths, who God absolutely is or who God absolutely isn't. And if I trust God in who he says he is, that adds a lot of comfort. But if I don't know God or I don't trust God, and I think this whole world is just kind of on this tipsy-turvy pendulum and could fall over at any time, I might be a lot more stressful if my theology is wrong. Okay, and then one more thing, false beliefs. So this is what is not true, but you have told yourself it is absolutely true. All of these things are contributors to anxiety or being anxious in your life. So you have to make sure that we have a biblically based, we have a balanced uh, understanding of every single one of these areas in our life. Now, as I went through these, one of these may have kind of 
pinpointed your biggest contributor to anxiety. So you need to be aware of what you're downloading, what you're seeing, what you're entertaining. Maybe it's something you've been taught. Maybe it's something that you've seen. Maybe it's the world around you. Whatever it is, you have to identify these contributors to having, being anxious or having anxiety. Has this helped you already so much? A little bit? You got to identify what it is, okay? So we're not guaranteed to never face anxiety, but there is biblical guidance on how to respond. And that's what I want to spend our time looking at this morning. Uh, if I tried to give you a medical doctrine about all of this, I would fail miserably. So we're going to look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, I could stop right there and you say, well, you don't understand my anxiety. You don't understand what I'm anxious about. Well, according to the scripture, it says, do not be anxious about dot, 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 anything. So I'm going to let that word anything, blanket, statement, everything else from this forward, okay? Whatever it is, I believe that God has the keys to help you get out of that, to deal with that, to cope with that, okay? But it says, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this says, do not be anxious, but give your needs to God through prayer, making requests. This is those special petitions. How many of you pray, but there's times that you pray? right? It's different, right? You know, if there's anxious thoughts or there's anxiety, I'm praying different than just, Lord, bless the food, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, right? I'm going to pray completely different if my life is on the line or there's something I'm stressed about or a test I didn't study for, but I'm asking God to miraculously pull the knowledge out. You think that's setting us up for success, right? I believe that what we put in, we can get out, okay? Um, and if you're putting yourself in that configuration by not preparing or not planning or not being disciplined, I think sometimes God may be using anxiety to teach us something, okay? Because if I'm prepared and I'm ready, how many of you know I perform better, I do better, I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, but how many of you have ever tried to do something you're not ready for? Tell you what, two weeks ago when I lost my message, <laughs> on Wednesday or Thursday, I said, Dear Lord Jesus. But luckily, Friday and Saturday were my redemption days. I rebuilt it and was ready. But, man, I can't imagine if that would have happened Saturday night. I'd have been like, holy ghost, come on. See what we can conjure up here, right? Asking God to just speak through us. But being prepared, being ready, doing all of those things. Um, but making those special requests to God. I believe there's th- times that God answers our requests based on what we have done. But I also believe that there's times that God answers our requests based on what we haven't done. That he gives us grace in both situations where we've been faithful or we've been faithless. Or we've been, where we've been diligent or, we, or we've been really sloppy in our diligence towards God. So in this passage, it says the word and. So this is connecting the first statement to the second statement. It says pray with petitions, presenting your request to God, and then the peace of God will guard your heart and minds. This is connecting the two principles together. If you do A, A equals B. You can get B if you do A. That's what it's talking about. That word and is tying the two things together. It's not saying one or the other. It's saying to do this you will get this. It's tying those things together. It says, pray with petitions, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. If you want your heart to be guarded and your minds to be guarded, um, and the peace of God to rest on you, therefore, pray in every situation by prayer and petitions with 
thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving is sometimes a hard thing because sometimes we don't give thanks in our prayers. We pray out of frustration, out of anger, out of disappointment, out of setback, and we don't have a spirit of thanksgiving. You know, when we pray with thanksgiving, it allows us to stay in that position of knowing God is just on the brink of breakthrough in your life. Thankfulness. Trusting that God will do what only he can do in every situation. So this morning, we're going to look at three ways to win with anxiety. So number one, recognize it. Don't pretend you don't deal with it. Don't pretend you've never dealt with it. You have to recognize it. You have to own it. Okay, if that's you, God knows, and hopefully you know. Um, I hope that you're not being naive to yourself because that's one of the biggest things of really working through a situation in your life is realizing that you have an issue with it or that you struggle with it or that it's real, okay? You have to realize that, okay? So what emotions come from anxiety? So these are the emotions, feeling nervous, restless or tense, sense of impending danger, panic or doom, having an increased heart rate, breathing rapidly, so like hyperventilating, Sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, uh, trouble concentrating or thinking, having tr- trouble sleeping or stomach issues, etc. So you may have anxiety and didn't realize it, that it is tied to different uh, areas in your life, but it really affects everything. So what does scripture say that anxiety does? In Proverbs twelve twenty five, it says, anxiety will feel weighty and burdensome. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart. You know, anxiety is not a good thing. You got that? We got to walk away realizing this is not something that God wants you to deal with, that he wants you to keep, that he wants you to just say, well, Lord, I'm just going to embrace it. He gives us some guidance on how to get this far away from us. So it also in Psalms 94, 19, it says it comes from within us. It says when anxiety, when anxiety was great within me, it came from the inside. It came, it came feeling weighty. It felt burdened. I I could feel it in, in our mind. Uh, it, it surfaces through our emotions. Anxiety comes from the inside. You know, your mind will mess you up when you're being anxious about something because your mind is thinking, and guess what? Often when we get to that place of anxiousness or anxiety in our lives, our mind starts rolling, and then you know what the devil does? He just reinforces that mindset. He'll begin to bark, yeah, but you ain't got what it takes. You should have studied more if you'd have prepared, if you'd have done this, da 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 and then you're like, Whoa. and then you freak out. And... It could cause an anxiety attack, the place of where you, the breaking point of where it all falls apart. Um, you know, uh, I've talked to a few individuals that have went through a full-blown anxiety attack, and it is not fun. You know, sometimes it's, it's, you know it's coming, sometimes you don't know it's coming. It comes like a blindside. But we have to try to reduce all of these things. We have to own it. And I'm going to give you some guidance on hopefully what we can do to, to survive it is probably the word I'm going to use. So we have to recognize it. We have to know where anxiety comes from. Uh, do you see it in your life? If we don't see anxiety or we don't see the stress in our life, Psalms 139.23, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So this is a prayer and a petition to God say, show me what I do not see in my mind. Show me what I do not see in my heart. See if there's anything in me that doesn't please you, that doesn't honor you. Um, and, And it says, test me. That means examine, mark the scorecard, show me what I'm not seeing. But it says also in my anxious thoughts, show me and know my anxious thoughts.
You know, God can see them. Sometimes we can't see them. And that's what that prayer is. Lord, show me what I don't see. So we have to see them. Do you see the anxiousness? Do you see the anxiety in your life? Ask God to help you see any anxious thoughts in your life that you're unaware of. That's a safe prayer. Like, you know, if you don't know, ask God, say, Lord, is, is this something I'm dealing with? If you know, you know, okay? On the flip side of that, do you realize that God is the God of our anxiety and our emotions, not just God of our spirit? He can take all of that when we yield those things to him and we give those things to him. He can rule supreme in our mind, in our will, in our emotions if we allow him. But you have to see a need for him first. I don't surrender and ask God to help in things I don't see. I mean, sometimes by his spirit, he might show me those things, but I'm not naturally going to pray for things I don't know I have issues with. Amen? Once I see them, then I can present those to God. So number one, we have to recognize it. So number two, what do we do once we recognize it? Then we redirect it. That means don't keep it, don't harbor it, don't play with it, don't entertain it, but we got to redirect anxiety. So how do we do that? Um, In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Why do we cast our cares on him? Why do we cast our burdens on him? Because he cares for us. Not because we can handle it. But we know that we have to redirect those things. That word um, cast actually means to fling, to throw. And it says all of your anxiety on him. Notice that word is consistent. All of your anxiety, all of your worries. He's not saying just just the ones you can't handle. He's talking about the insignificant ones also that you think you can handle by yourself. The point is not to deal with it. The point is not to have to struggle with it. The point is to surrender it to God. You have to recognize it, then you have to redirect it. Get it out of your hands and get it into God's hands because that's when something changes. You figured out what happens when it's in your hands, right? Look at the mess around you. It's what we create. But God wants us to redirect it. Why? Because he cares for you. Redirecting anxiety does not deny its presence, but it's moving it from being your problem alone to being God's problem. And guess what? God can handle it. Often we cannot handle it by ourselves. How much of your anxiety does he say to surrender? So why are we entertaining some of it? Mm. Pastor, quit asking these hard questions. We were praising. We were having fun a second ago. Now you got me cornered to a wall. I want you to realize where your condition is so that you can remove, so that you can move from your condition and move forward to what God has for you. But we give that to God we give all of it to him. So what, how, how, what's another way of re- redirecting it? So we put our anxiety on God. Secondly, receiving kind words. That second part of Proverbs 12, 25, it, it actually says, anxiety will feel weighty and burdensome. But in the, the second part says, but a kind word cheers it up. So when we receive a kind word, it, it redirects that anxiety and, and it causes us to be cheered up. It causes us to be better. It doesn't necessarily mean everything goes away, but it helps the situation when I receive a kind word. The Proverbs are always right, I promise. There's always something in those Proverbs that is going to unlock the key to what we need. There's another passage, Psalms 94, 19. It says, your consolation, your comfort, your support, or your relief actually brought me joy in amongst my anxiousness. So we have to see that the anxiety was great within me, but then your consolation brought me joy. So realize there is a, there is a consistent element that changes the whole situation, and that is somebody else that's spoken to my situation. Jesus is good. 
That, that's, that's the first thing we need to do. We need to cast those cares on him. We need to get him involved. But guess what? We got to get people around us that are going to speak life into us in that moment of dealing with anxiety. Because it's going to feel burdened. It's going to feel weighty. It's going to be hard. But a word of encouragement changes all of it per the scripture. All right? It's an encouragement. It's support. It's help. But someone struggling with anxiety and anxiousness, they need the power of your kind words to get through it. Your words will bring joy and can cheer them up. Have you ever been around an encourager? I was talking to Morgan about this. I said, man, I... I, I had a pastor friend at Pastors University that was an encourager. It didn't matter what you were going through. Like, it just made you feel good about all of it. You're like, it's going to be bad, but it's going to be a good kind of bad. Like, he would always make it feel like it's going to be okay. But he always encouraged. He always encouraged. He always saw the cup half full. You know, we have a lot of people who are discouragers, not encouragers. That they see the situation and they just dig the hole deeper rather than pulling you out of the hole and, and moving you away from that situation. We need encouragers in our life, right? We need to make sure that, you know, when we're in a negative downward spiral of anxiety or anxiousness, that we get around people that are going to encourage us, that are going to love us, that are going to really shine God's light in us and through us because we can't do it on our own. Because we need that help of that positive word. We need that help of that friend speaking life into us in that moment in order to uh, redirect that in our life. So those kind words... You know, in order to receive these kind words and being cheered up, you have to surround yourself with people who can help you. Uh, talk, about, talk to people a lot. Talk about, hey, you know, I, uh, I don't need the church or I don't want the church or I can do it just me and Jesus. Guess what? In that equation, you need people. You need people. And, and God has built the church for that, to surround you with people. Not that we're all perfect, but most of us here, God willing, should be pursuers of God, trying to be more Christ-like, right? Amen? If not, let me know. We'll take care of you. I'll just play it. But we should all be pursuing to be more like Jesus and surrounding ourselves. The likelihood of finding somebody in this room to encourage us versus discourage us should be easier than outside the four walls of the church. Now, if that's not the case, we need to change the culture of this church to make sure we are a church that are full of encouragers. If you see someone talking negative, don't feed that negativity. Change it. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody's frustrated about something. Oh, I'm frustrated too. You know, I'm probably guilty with that in some. Now, I don't know about spiritual things, but like I know like if I start talking negative about gas prices, somebody going to find a positive note on that? <laughs> it's going to be emotional downward spiral. Yeah, well, this is why. And, uh, and now we got three of us all mad at the world, right? Hey, thank God I can pay for the gas. Thank God I got a vehicle to put the gas in. Pastor, you still like that four-wheel drive truck now? Well, it's nice, but man, it's drinking fuel like a soda can, right? You're just gone. So we need to take that negativity and we need to put positivity on it and be encouragers. The moment you hear yourself speaking a discouraging word, please stop, reconsider, and change your course of action. That's how we become a church of encouragers, not discouragers. And we know, if you like... Don't raise your hand, but raise your internal hand. You know if you're guilty of that. I know there's areas and there's times I'm guilty of that. So we just need to pay attention to that to change that. People need encouraging words. So treat contributors of anxiety 
that you can control like a hot potato. Have you ever played the hot potato game where when, it, when the sound ends, whoever's holding the hot potato loses? So as soon as you have something that is a contributor to anxiety and you catch it, get rid of it. Don't touch it. Don't hold it. Get rid of it. So here's some things that um, you need to get rid of immediately. So stress and anxiety often go hand in hand. I've never seen somebody really fall into a huge anxiety issue or, or have anxiousness with zero stress. Stress kind of tag teams with anxiety and it compounds and it causes a complete breakdown. So minimize stress. You can't always, you can't always affect the feelings of anxiety, but you can, you can control the levels of stress in your life, okay? Um, reduce stress by keeping yourself safe from anxiety. So focus on stress while we're dealing with anxiety. This is how we redirect it. Learn to say no. If you're a yes person, your life is going to be miserable because most people will take as much as you will give them. Pastor, I thought we were supposed to give. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a balance there to how much we do. We don't want to be manipulated and used and abused for the sake of serving people if it's going to require my own personal breakdown. I have to protect myself too. I have to take care of my family. I have to make sure my emotional condition is intact. Because if I lose my whole emotional state in lieu of serving because it's added so much stress in my life, I have to calm down on that. So learn to say no. Hey, pastor, you think you can do something next week at 1030 da, 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 on a Sunday? If I say yes, I'm not preaching here. So I have to, I, there's certain times I can say no and it's easy to say no. But what about the times where I feel obligated to say yes? If it's adding unnecessary stress to your life, please learn to say no. Can you say that word with me? Say no. Hey, from, from age like two to six, they tried to get it out of our mouth, and I guess it worked because we don't like to say it ever again. We always say yes. We feel like we always have to say yes, but there are times we need to say no. But allow your heart to be right, you know. I know people say no because they, they don't want to serve, and they don't love people, and they're just not being kind. I don't think that that's the norm for the majority of people in this room, but learn to say no in lieu of protecting your emotional state. Okay? You got me there? Pastor, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep a schedule and set boundaries. I, I love my schedule. My schedule dictates what I can and can't do. And I mean, I have work days that I work and there's times that I go home and then I might schedule dinner and hang out time with my kids. So if you ask me, hey, pastor, can I come over? Or do you have time of during this time? I said, nope, I'm scheduled. Smart guy, ain't I? Scheduled it for family time. Scheduled time for, to hang out with my wife. I scheduled to go to my ball games with my kids. I schedule, I schedule my life. Make sure you're scheduling stuff also to protect your life, to protect your emotions. It's not always work. Now, I know it's hard when, you, when you're working full-time job and trying to serve in ministry, um, but I'll tell you what, I feel like if everybody contributes a little bit, nobody has to kill themselves and do everything. And that's the strategy because you're, cause I, I, want you, I want you to make sure I see that. I get to do this full time. I should be putting a whole lot more time in than all of you guys, right? This is my job too, you know? So it, it's, it, it's a little bit different. I don't expect the requirements that I put on myself of you, but I do expect you to serve in the kingdom, but I also expect you also to make sure you're balancing your life with ministry. Like I said, mind, will, and emotions, and a spirit our spirit can be serving God, and if our emotions are way out of whack, it can really cause everything we do spiritually to be impacted. All right? Take time to do what you want to do, not just what you have to do. Hear me there? Take time to do what you want to do, not just what you have to do. We always do what we have to do. 
right? But how often do we do what we don't have to do? What do you enjoy? What do you like to do that you never get to do? Start scheduling some of those things. Make time for those things, all right? So we have to redirect it. So we have to recognize it. We have to redirect it. And number three, we have to rejoice through it. We have to get through it, right? Even when it's happening, we got to rejoice through it. We got to celebrate. We got to praise through it. So, what do we do? We turn our eyes to Jesus. The direction of your gaze will determine your course. What I'm looking at is going to determine where I go. If I look at my situation, that situation is just going to get worse and worse and worse. I have to take my eyes off the wave and the storm and get my eyes on Jesus. I have to focus on what's going to allow me to float beyond all my circumstances and situations and my issues, even though, guess what? They're there. I'm not saying, be, you know, pretend that they're not there. They are there, but my eyes have to be focused on Jesus. And I have to choose to rejoice through it, keeping your eyes fixed on that, which will lead you out of that anxiousness, which will lead you out of that anxiety. All right? Praise focuses your attention on who God is, not just on your situation. Right? And, and that's what I love about Sundays when we come in the house of the Lord and we begin to praise and we begin to celebrate. I'm focusing on what Jesus did, not my situation and what I'm going through. And I realize that when I focus on Jesus, my situation changes. You realize that? You're like, man, I didn't know that's how that praise stuff worked, but I love it. When we realize what it does to our spirit, and guess what? Our spirit is tied to our what? Our emotions. So when I tap in spiritually, my emotions are changed. And then when my emotions change... It just makes a well-rounded picture of what God wants us to be. Can't separate our emotions from our spirit. That's part of who we are. That's part of one of those inconsistent things. You know, don't allow, don't, don't confuse your spirit with your emotions. That's a freebie nugget right there. If we, if we base our emotions based on our spirituality, it'll be bipolar. It really will say, oh, well, I feel good today. I feel bad tomorrow. Ah, I mean, you're all over the place. We're not basing it, our, our spirituality based on our emotions. We're basing it on our spirit. Guess what? Our spirit has the same nature of God as unwavering. We'll always choose the things of God. So we've got to understand this mind, will, and emotions, and then our spirit. All right? You've got to realize all of these things matter. So we're working on, we know what the spirit is. This morning we're looking at the emotions. When I talk about will, we just came out of this purpose series. Hopefully your will is bent towards the purposes and callings of God. And what about the mind? We're going to talk about the mind in this series, but one of the biggest things that, that changes the way we think or our minds is what we meditate on. What we read, what movies we watch, what conversations we entertain. All of those things program what we think. So our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our spirit, we need to yield and surrender all those things to God. So we rejoice through it. Um, even when I don't see what God is doing, we sing about this, we know God's working. Even when I don't see it or hear it or feel it or know it, God is working on our behalf when we praise God, when we focus on him. Um, life is hard and anxious nerves may rage, but when you praise, you choose to trust God through the storm. Through the storm. You're in the storm. I'm not saying the storm isn't happening. We have to be aware of the storm. We have to redirect it. And then once we're in it, we still praise through it. Because guess what? It doesn't matter how bad the storm is. You know one cool thing about storms are? They subside at some point. But I just got to hunker down through it. And if we look at life, how many of you have went through a storm already? And yet you've survived. In the, in the middle of you, like, I'm going, I'm dying, Lord. 
I'm not going to make it. But yet you're here today. And the God who was faithful through that storm will also be faithful through this storm. Doesn't matter where you've been, where you are, or where you've going. God remains faithful. So I talk about theology. I talk about mindset. I talk about practices. Like as parents, we should be modeling for our children something that reinforces our trust and confidence in God. When something happens, say, well, kids, let's pray about that. What do you mean let's pray about that? I'm losing my... No, I need to practice what I'm preaching. I need to reinforce what Scripture is saying. I need, to, I need my kids to see this is how we respond, kids. Well, Dad, it don't make sense. All my friends at school. We ain't talking about your friends at school. We're talking about what the Word says and rejoicing through whatever it may be. Even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, God is working and we can praise Him for that. Give you this passage from First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. I know so many. How many of you are always concerned about the will of God? Some of y'all in here. All right. This scripture says, "This is the will of God for you." So, if I'm trying to cheat on a test and get all the answers, this is the answer to number five. Okay, this is what it says. It says, "Rejoice always, pray continuously, give." Thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you can say today, if you're completely confused about your perfect will of what God has for you, you can walk and say, hey, guys, I learned my will today. You practice all, all three of these, rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in what circumstances? All of them. You realize God is concerned about every facet of our lives. We see all, 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 all through all of these passages. He wants you healthy and whole and complete, and he can handle all of it. You know why? Because you can't handle it. You have to realize that. We have to redirect it. We have to rejoice through it. We have to acknowledge it. You know, uh, I was thinking about the moment of going through this, living through a situation. It's like, thank you, Lord. Oh, help me, God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this emotional roller coaster of, of praising through it. Because you don't know what's going to happen. It's like when you go off the roller coaster ride, click, 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 and you get to that threshold where you're about to go over the edge, but you can't see what's over the edge. You hope they got tracks there. You hope it's not one of these cartoons where they remove the tracks. I'm going to fall to my utter doom. That's like what trusting God is. And you know it's going to be fun. You know it's going to be exhilarating. You know God's going to be good. But there's still that internal uh, struggle saying, but Lord Jesus. We get concerned because we think we're in control. And we think it's up to us. But if we realize it's up to him. And he who is faithful will always be faithful. We can praise him in amongst whatever happens. If I fall to my death, I'll praise God. If I weather the storm, I will praise God. It doesn't matter that I praise him in the situation, that I rejoice through it. Give you one more really powerful passage from Psalms 8.3. It says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemy. To do what? To silence the foe and the avenger. Praise causes the devil to shut up. So all this jibber jabber that's causing our anxiety to derail, it, it, his voice is utterly silenced when we praise. So if we've already acknowledged it, if we've already redirected it, yet we're surviving through it when we begin to praise, it causes him to shut up and allows the spirit of God to be spoken forth. So we can hear clearly. And guess what? If we didn't get that words of affirmation from people, guess what? We're getting that words of affirmation from God. 
Well, we have to silence the voice of the enemy and only praise will do that. Praise stills the voice of the enemy. So anxiety, it will wear you down. It will beat you up. But if you don't do, but you have to do something with it. You have to recognize it. You have to redirect it and you have to rejoice through it. Um, What do you do when you feel anxiety beginning to build in your life? What do you do when you feel anxious? Matthew 6, 27 through 34. It's a little lengthy, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, can any one of you worry by adding a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, even, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, the pagans are the unbelievers, Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But it says, verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So worrying does not help your situation, but sometimes actually makes it worse. It is adding to the fuel of the fire of anxiety in your life. Worrying about it, meditating on it, thinking about it, it's not going to help. It says, Think first, uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what do we do, guys? We take one day at a time. We don't worry about tomorrow, but we worry about today. Because today's going to have troubles. Today's, we're gonna, we possibly would have problems. Just deal with what's facing you today. So how do we respond in closing? In Luke 10, 39 through 42, this is the story of Mary and Martha. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to to what he said. But Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is best. And will not, it will not be taken away from her. So don't worry about all of the stuff that needs to be done or be distracted by all the busyness. Find peace and rest today in, in, in falling and sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and listen to what he has to say this morning. That's all that's needed. You can be busy. You can do, be, work through all of the preparations. But sitting at his feet is what's most important. If you're you're struggling with anxiety this morning, I want to pray over you that God would just release that and remove that from your life. Doesn't mean that you won't ever dabble with it, deal with it, but when it happens, you know what to do with it. Can you guys stand up with me? I'm going to ask Jesus today to trade all your anxiety and anxiousness for his peace today. Oh, if there's, if there's somebody here this morning that said, you know what, Pastor, I really deal with this anxiety and this anxiousness in, in my emotions. Can you just lift your hand up for me and put your hand down? Oh, a whole bunch of y'all. Lord, I thank you. <laughs> Father, because if it was just for me, I wouldn't have preached this. But God, you knew what your people need. So this morning, I'm just going to pray over you. Can you just lift your hands? All of you lift your hands towards heaven. And we're going to ask Father God to release his spirit of peace in this place. Father, only you alone 
can cause all this anxiousness to flee. But Father, we acknowledge it. Father, we redirect it. (laughs) And Father, this morning we choose to praise you through it. God, I ask for everyone under the sound of my voice dealing with this anxiety. Father, maybe it's even an anxious spirit within them. Father, I ask that it would leave in Jesus' name. Father, because you say that you will take that and you will instill a spirit of peace that will guard our hearts and will guard our minds. So, Father, I thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding this morning to be released over your people, that their mind would be guarded, that their hearts would be guarded. Father, that all of those things that stir and churn on the inside of them would be far removed in Jesus' name. God, I ask that anxiety will no longer be something that holds them down, but it's something that they can praise you through and realize that that is an area that you are beginning to change in their life. Father, as we sit at your feet, allow your peace to come. Lord, this morning, (laughs) just like Mary, we draw near to your feet, our eyes fixed on you, And we listen. Can you hear what the Lord is speaking over you this morning? Can you sense his spirit rising inside of you? from this place walking in your perfect peace Lord I know in your word when you'd work mightily in people's lives you would say go and sin no more so father if your authority can be spoken and say go and sin no more it can also be spoken and say be anxious no more Never deal with anxiety again. But allow the peace of my presence to go with you all the days of your life. Son and daughter, what are your eyes fixed on this morning? Lord says, capture my gaze. And all the other things will begin to fade away. All the concerns of life, all the fears, all the doubts, all of those things that you thought were valuable and important will fade away. Because you will be captivated by the goodness and the glory of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that, uh, Father, that you're releasing freedom to your people. So, Father, I pray that over this church, And over these people, Father, that we would not walk as anxious, anxiety-filled people, but Father, whom you set free, Father, would be able to live freed indeed. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Lord, and we thank you for your peace that is guaranteed to follow us all the days of our life. Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This morning we have a prayer team available. If Let me tell you what. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know perfect peace. You will not know perfect peace apart from knowing Jesus. So this morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to either get right with the Lord or I've never given my life to Jesus. It says today is the day of salvation. 
may have some crazy stuff going on 4th of July tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow leads to. But God does. But he says, today is the day. So I'm going to invite the prayer team up. If you have a special prayer request or you need prayer for salvation or you want to commit your life to the Lord, refresh and renew today, I encourage you to do that. If you don't know him, come and know Jesus today. I love you. You guys be blessed. Come back next week uh, as we look at dealing with fear because I know fear is just as closely related sometimes as anxiety. We love you. Be blessed. Hug somebody's neck before you go. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.